Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. For those who have their Bibles and want to go to heaven today, you can turn to your... uh, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 16. It's all right. Most of us have a phone, so we can all say we have our Bibles in church today. You came prepared. You guys are amazing. I do miss, and, and I'm not that old. Like, I'm older than some people think and younger than others think, but I do miss the days of the turning pages. I just lost my page because I turned it. You'd hear them. I miss those days, and then when I think about it, I actually don't actually think I ever had those days. I've always been on a device. But um, I like having a physical copy of the Bible here so you can check if the preacher's reading the truth and saying the true thing out there today. I want to set the scene. We have three uh, earthly characters here today. Is there a screen up there or not? Oh, that's, there's all kinds of wild things take place when you're in church services. Like the team turned up today and there was chords missing and things going wrong and guest speakers um, getting sick. And that's when I get a little bit excited because there's a bit of opposition going on. There's a little bit of something you go, okay, like if everything's smooth sailing, we have a great service, we worship, we gather together, it's still worth coming to. When things are a little chaotic, that's when I get a little bit excited because I know um, God's up to something, therefore the enemy's up to something trying to stop it as well. And, uh, and it's a good thing. So this next two weeks, we're looking at three important players in this story in the natural, in the scene realm. We're gonna look at Elijah, Ahab, and Jezebel. There are other... Uh, historical figures around this that you'll hear, but these are the three I want to focus on. And then three very powerful beings in the unseen realm, but one being the King of Kings and Lord of Lord God. We have in the natural Elijah, Ahab, and Jezebel. We're going to introduce those today, set the scene for them. Next week, we're going to continue to preach on Elijah. And then we have in the, in the unseen, the supernatural one, we have God, like King of Kings, God Almighty, our God, the God we serve, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then two spiritual beings that are not equal to God in any way, but play a part in the story of Baal and Asherah. Okay, I'm setting the scene here. So what's taking place so far historically at this point in history is is Israel's glory days of the kingdom of God, of, of King David and, and building the temple with King Solomon. And this amazing Israel has, has um, it's, it's petered out. It's been torn apart. The, the kingdom's been split into two. We have the, the southern kingdom, Judah, and we have Israel. Both are not doing well. Is, Israel's really not doing well. The northern part of the kingdom, they've walked away from God, from generations after generations after generations, and they are uh, reaping the consequences of following false idols. Now, when we say false idols in the Bible, that does not mean that they uh, isn't a spiritual attachment or ability to them. I'm diving straight into it today, because um, sometimes we think, well, it just means it's a little wooden statue that has no power. No, these are fallen angels, deceptive beings that have deceived the people, and people have chosen to follow those spirits that are not equal to God in any way, but have swayed and deceived the people. And God in His grace is actually allowing um, the Israel and, and a lot of the southern kingdom to, to follow after these as a way of hoping. God's heart and invitation is always for repentance. 
Even when we're reaping the consequences of actions that we have taken, his heart is still an open door. And so we can look at that and go, well, could have God been a little more patient with them? Well, one, generations after generations after generations after generations of God turning a blind eye to, to them following false idols, but also in him giving them over to the desires of their heart it is actually a hope that they will see their ways and turn back to him and follow him. Don't know if that registers in anyone else's life, but I know that God, we can sometimes think we get a free ticket. Well, if I follow God, nothing's gonna go wrong. That's not true, is it? I, I, anyone who's lived more than, let's say, a second or two knows that that's not the reality of life. But God's invitation and heart is always that we will come back to Him and connect with Him and He has good things for us. He has a future for us. He has a plan. It may not look like our plan, but He has a plan and He has a plan in what's taking place here. But really what's happened is that they're starting to reap what they've sown. Generations of wicked kings. We'll pick it up in chapter 16, uh, verse 29 as we look at the story of Elijah, Ahab, and Jezebel. It says, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, so this is the southern kingdom, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son, sorry, yeah, Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria for 22 years. It's giving us an overview of his reign. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So this guy's more wicked. There's been a lot of evil stuff taking place. If you know the story, there's been, there's been child sacrifice. There's been um, all kinds of uh, wicked and ritualistic and sensual and sexual worship in an evil, twisted way. There's been all kinds of things. And it says, and Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of um, Jer Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ephbal, king of the Sidonians. Just go with it. Just flow with it. And went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected altars for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. This is Ahab. Kind of getting the, uh, the vibe, he's not a good dude, right? He's not a great guy. More wicked than everything that's happened before, which was demonic, evil, satanic wickedness taking place. Then on top of that, he marries our, our second character that we'll introduce here, Jezebel. Has, has anyone heard of the term Jezebel? Yeah, Jezebel, yeah. We, we even use that in culture these days outside of the church, if someone's a, a Jezebel. This, this lady was um, completely not walking in God's ways. Her family lineage, was she was a cultist, she, she worshipped, and Asherah, her family did. And by marrying into Ahab, who, remember, as the king of Israel, was meant to be leading people in God's ways, he opened up a doorway where we now have this um, super mega, I guess, uh, recipe of the spirit of Baal and the spirit of um, Asherah to form kind of a, a part of the pantheon of, of gods, but the lead of it. So Baal worship, he was often referred to. I know this is a heady thing today. We're going to get into it. But Baal was often uh, worshipped in, in the time and in the place as the god of rain, the god of weather, a god of war, Asherah, God of war, but also a goddess of, of fertility as well. And all kinds of amazing sensuality would be done in worship. They would actually, and I, I know there's 
young ears in the room today, so I'm trying to keep it good. But they would literally um, in go as an act of worship, do all kinds of uh, unbiblical um, content as they lay off together. But as a result of that, the babies that were born in that would then be sacrificed as a double whammy to the goddess. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. That's the page, that's the setting that we see where Elijah comes upon. Now, we can often look at these settings and get there and and say, well, that's so different to today. And physically and outwardly, yes, but I, I have this premise and this thought, and maybe this resonates with you. Spiritually, we live in a similar climate. We, don't, we may have progressed culturally and outwardly, but spiritually, we live in a time and a place which is just, just as guilty of some of the same acts and same things that are taking place here when Elijah comes on the scene. Now, chapter 17. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe. Now, where's that? No one knows. I don't know if anyone else in this town comes from a place where no one knows. It's like one of those small towns, those places. I'm from a small town, Tasmania, um, and it's a a little area, amazing area. But, yeah, it's kind of, you know, you've heard in the Bible it says, can anything good come out of Galilee? Well, they say that about my town. They say that about this town. Elijah comes out of nowhere. Elijah, we don't know his history that much. We don't know his family. We don't know where he's come from other than this place. But what we know is he comes with a word from the Lord. He comes as a mighty man of God onto the, um, onto the scene here. And so it says there, and, uh, he said, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain in these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastwards and hide yourselves by the brooks of Cherub which is east of the Jordan, and you should drink from the brook, and I've commanded ravens to feed you. Wild. So we see Elijah turn up on the scene. He has a word that isn't going to be received very well. He, he speaks out, he prays, he prophesies a drought on the land, which is about to take place, and then he takes off again. He kind of comes in, mic drop moment, and then he gets away, walks away, and it says the ravens come to feed him. That's a fascinating thing. See, when you step out and do something for God, you might not have much, you might not know much, you might not have a history, you might not have anything, but he will provide for you and feed you in the season, even if it takes you in a season of hiddenness and and in the secret and back there. God provides for the ravens in Elijah's life. I know he can provide for you and I as we step out and follow him. So I got to get going. I'm not... Lord, help me. This is just a fascinating story. So we have Elijah here now. He's in hiding. Elijah um, in the story, and we'll dive into it more next week. But we see Elijah, there's, a, uh, there's the drought. But Elijah actually performs 16 miracles in his time here uh, that we have recorded. 16. So we see this one about the, the drought, speaking a drought into being, praying it out of being. We see at one point that Elijah... Uh, being fed by the ravens. That's pretty miraculous. I I haven't had that happen to me yet, literally with ravens, but God's definitely provided miraculously, tell you that much. Um, We see that he outruns a a horse at one point. We see uh, 16 miracles that he uh, raises raises someone from the dead. He's a miracle worker. We believe in miracles as a church. We believe miracles still exist today. We believe that we've seen miracles take place in our community. We continue to, if you need a miracle in your life, we are available for prayer. 
We believe in miracles. Has anyone ever experienced a miracle? Is there anyone here that shouldn't be here, shouldn't be alive, but God miraculously saved you? Yeah, so there's miracles all around us. This is what's taking place. Elijah is a miracle worker. So we have this scene set. Elijah, he's turned up. He's confronted Ahab. He's confronted Jezebel, uh, not Jezebel yet, but in confronting Ahab, he's confronted that. He's taken away. What's going to take place is he's going to come back. I don't know why I closed my Bible just then. I need to get it open again here. Some of the characteristics that we see. Can you help me out? First Kings 18. Um, and uh, oh, don't worry about it. My brother here has me sorted out. So I, I, Elijah proclaims a drought. We'll skip over here. Elijah chapter 18. And this is where I want to jump in and make it really practical for us. So the drought's been happening. Ahab and Jezebel have continued to wreak havoc on the land. Ahab will see character, characteristically, and I believe that this is really important to us, Ahab was, his biggest fault was that he was passive and not active. His biggest fault that he tolerated things that he shouldn't have tolerated, allowed things to take place in the land where he was meant to be leading, and as a result of that, the Word of God tells him that it, and tells us that he was more wicked and evil than any other king. Tolerance isn't always a good thing. If it, we're tolerating something in our lives that is bringing destruction. Fast track that into the New Testament in Jesus. How that outplays for us looks very different than it does for Elijah and the prophets. That's what we're going to look at more next week. But Ahab is passive and will let anything into the kingdom. Yeah, sure, you can still worship God. You can still follow Jesus. But we're just going to throw in a little bit of child sacrifice here to Asherah. We're just going to throw in a little bit of... Um, of cutting ourselves and worshiping Baal. We're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna shut down some of the churches, shut down some of the schools, shut down some of the things that take place and allow these other temple worship to rise up. But you can still worship God. It's okay. We can sync that together. That's Ahab. Jezebel, on the other hand, is all about control, is all about manipulation, is all about. Uh, working and scheming and manipulating and getting herself into a position of power through means that aren't godly. This feels heavy today. Are we doing all right? Are we doing okay? Because there's freedom coming at the end of this, because that's the beautiful thing about this story. Ahab, passive, won't address things in his life, won't address things in the kingdom. Jezebel, controlling and manipulating and scheming and, and whining. Elijah, following God's call and bringing freedom to the land. Here's the premise today and the practical thing today. I think that you'll hear me mention a couple times more and we'll dive deeper into. We all have the potential of having a little bit of Ahab in us, of having a little bit of Jezebel in us. And the invitation today and every day for us is to put those tendencies aside and step into the Elijah call. There we go. Step into the Elijah call. Here I am, God. I'm giving it all to you. I'm following you. I'm going to be bold 
in the face of a culture, in face of a work situation, in face of a family, in face of something that doesn't want me to live out my faith in Christianity, I'm going to be bold because Jezebel, Ahab, Baal, Asherah, you have no power over the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that I'm following. We all have the invitation to be on Elijah. But we all, me included, can slip into being an Ahab, passive. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to address it. Ah, I see that little thing popping up in my life and that thing, but I'm just going to, it's okay. I'm just going to let it go. Well, God, God loves me. He's for me. He's got grace. God's grace. God's grace. Yes, absolutely. So he just loves me still. Yes, he does. He loves you so much. He wants you to address that thing in your life. He wants you to address that thing in your marriage. He wants you to address that thing in your family, in your church, in your community. He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to be an Ahab that just lets everything go, but actually addresses it. Oh, oh no, something's happened. Something's different. That's all right. I can control this. I can get this sorted out. If I just, if I just pray the right prayers... If I just talk to the right people, if I just scheme the right schemes, if I just work the right way, then this is going to be work out. Oh, hello, Jezebel. How are you? How's that control going over here? Has anybody ever had that tendency in their life to, to want to control the situation? And we can all be Ahabs. We can all be Jezebels. Are we willing to be Elijahs? Are we willing to be fed by the ravens if we need to? Are we willing to go up against confronting and uncomfortable situations in order to bring freedom into our lives and to follow the Lord's presence. You know what? The Bible, when we, we read these Old Testament stories as New Testament believers, that simply means today, if you don't know, that, that the Old Testament, everything in it is the history and, um, and revealing to us God's characteristics, His purposes, His plans. And as we go through the Old Testament, they were living under a different context because it was all building up to when Jesus Christ would come, die the death that, that we deserve to die as a world, rise from dead, overcome the, the greatest thing you can overcome, death, on our behalf so that we can enter in fully into a relationship with God. Amen? So, so the context changed and it lives it out. So we don't need to be uh, doing this exact same actions that are happening in this place. But that does not mean that we can't awaken the, the, uh, the spirit, for lack of a better term, hear that right, for the, of an Elijah, the boldness of an Elijah in our life to confront the things we need to take on. That doesn't mean that Jezebel and Ahabs aren't active in our lives trying to control us, trying to um, beat down the culture, trying to stop us from worshiping, trying to do things, but we can be Elijah's against those spirits in our lives. But anytime we read the Old Testament, I think the biggest thing that we need to be cautious as if we're a follower of Christ in this place is that we're, the first thing we're doing is we're using it as a mirror to our own lives. Well, I guess, sorry, the first thing that anything in Scripture should be pointing us towards is to God. So we look at the Word, that reveals God to us. Secondly, we look at the Word and it reveals ourselves to ourselves. It's like looking in a mirror. Often we get the order wrong and we try to turn that around and we use it as a weapon against the world around us. But are you using it as a mirror in your own life? And then thirdly, we process, we interpret, and we look at the world through the lens of the Word. We don't look at the Word through the lens of the world. We look at the world through the lens of the Word. So firstly, any of these stories, what is it revealing to us about God? Secondly, what is it revealing to 
us about ourselves? And thirdly, what is it revealing to us about the culture we're in and surrounded by? So Ahab, Jezebel, and Elijah. What does that mean for us looking in a mirror? Do we have some Ahab tendencies? Oh, there's some things I'm just letting go in my life. I'm just going to tolerate it. God's okay with it. We can do this. We can do this. We can make this work. We can follow these ways and follow these ways and follow these ways. Yeah, that works until it doesn't work, as we're going to see in the story next week. That works until it brings destruction. That works until it wrecks our marriage. That works until it destroys our family. That works until it destroys a church community or it works until the culture around us is so different from the culture of the Word of God and we go, why, how could this happen? It's because we tolerated things that shouldn't happen. Now this needs to be teamed with Ephesians that tells us that we wrestle not against flesh, but we, re we wrestle against principalities, spiritual authorities. So we're never against people. So if we're one of those Christians who likes to point the finger at people, stop pointing the finger at people. Stop pointing the finger at the enemy. Stop pointing the finger at, at the flesh around us. Stop pointing it at, and start taking going to spiritual warfare in prayer. We, we, don't, we don't fight the battles by the same means as the world does. We do it through spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh. We're called to love our fellow humans, our fellow men. We don't look at someone and say, you're a Jezebel and Ahab. We go to war on their behalf to break off Jezebel and Ahab's over their lives. We don't point the finger at someone and say, you're destined for destruction. You're, you're going down with the drought. No, we get on our knees and we intercede for our city. And we intercede for people around us because God's heart is for every single person. God's heart is to see Calgary, a city for Christ. Oh, that's never going to happen. That's never. No, God's heart is for Calgary to be a city for Christ. The revival would break out on our streets. That the drought on our land, the spiritual drought, would be broken, and the rains would pour, and refreshment would come, and healing would come. And we get to play a part in that if we're willing to be Elijahs in the context of where we've been placed. But it starts with using the word as a mirror to ourselves. Have I let Jezebel get in? Have I let Ahab get in? Can I activate Elijah? Amen? Okay. Bring it together, Stephen. Come on. Bring it together, Lord. Help me here. Where am I going? So, again, this is setting the context for next week's message where we're going to see the ultimate showdown of Elijah, prophets of Baal, where fire comes from heaven, where the enemy's confronted, a great miracle takes place. I love the Word of God because it just doesn't hold any punches. There's one scene we're going to look at next week where um, the prophets uh, are crying out to Baal, nothing's happening, and Elijah starts just mocking them. Oh, he must be sleeping. Go and check on him. Did he go to the washroom? Like, literally, this isn't, this is the word. This isn't me. So, so it's going to be an exciting showdown we see next week. But in the lead up to that, I love Elijah's message to Ahab in chapter 18. It said, and it came to pass after many days that the word of Lord came to Elijah. That's an interesting phrase to me there. Um, we get this idea sometimes that the prophets were just constantly getting a download from heaven 24-7. They were just like, God, what have you got for me today? No, but Elijah, it says here, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Some of us are in a many days season. We're wondering why God isn't speaking. God will speak. He will come to you. But what's the word that he last gave you? Have you acted upon that? Have you moved upon that? 
See, Elijah would get a word, he'd wake up, and then he might be living off that word and that revelation, and it might have been tough, it might have been hard. He's seeing some miracles take place, some ravens feed him in the process, but he's wondering, Lord, when are you going to speak to me? But it says, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. This is what I want to prophesy over some of us today. Your many days is coming to an end, and the word of the Lord is going to come to you. But what are you doing in the meantime? What is the word that's driving you? Do you have a word from the Lord? If you haven't got a word from the Lord, life can seem aimless, life can seem depressing, life can seem, what am I even here for? But when we get a word from the Lord, we need to treasure it, we need to hold on to it, we need to let that be our driving force. The Lord has a word for you, and if you need another word, it's coming for you, but it may take persistence and faith like Elijah had. So it says, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, um, go present yourself to Ahab, and then I'll send rain on the earth. Amazing story that I'm going to skip through because uh, we haven't got time here today. But I love this. He, he, where are we going to pick it up? In verse, Elijah came on the scene. One of the servants isn't stoked that he has to go and tell Ahab. He's like, you're sending me on a kamikaze mission. That I have to say that Elijah's turned up to King Ahab. And he says, go and tell him. Elijah's here. Um, and then a miracle takes place for that guy. He's like, I'm, I, I gave the message and I'm out of here. Um, and I love this term here. As soon as I can find it in Sayyid's Bible. Elijah showed up, starts to declare, he's going to present him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah. This is one of the greatest titles, greatest names given in the Bible to anyone. Ahab said to him, is that you, O troubler of Israel? What a name. Isn't that a little, I, I, I know we're Canadian here today, but isn't that the troubler of Israel? I want to be the troubler of the land. Like there's time that we need to be troublers. And I don't mean like in a way that is unbiblical or, or anything, but Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of God, amazing scenes, and the world knew him as a troubler. We need to be known as troublers for the right reasons. We need to be willing to, be, to stir the pot a little bit for the sake of the kingdom of God reigning on the earth and in the lives around us. Where it's very easy, myself as well, I identify as a Canadian. I've told you that many times. Government doesn't recognize me yet, but I identify as a Canadian. And, and I'm a part of the Canadian culture now. I don't really even consider myself Australian culture, but I'm sure it's similarly, similar there. We have this idea in church and as Christians that every, well, we're not meant to cause any trouble. We're not meant to ruffle any feathers. We're, we're not meant to um, be a troubler of the land. Well, someone needs to be. Because it's not really working. Mental health crisis, all-time highs. Youth suicide, all times highs. Social media is destroying neurological pathways in young people's development. They don't know how to socialize. They don't know how to connect. They don't know how to do anything. More sexually free in culture than ever before and more feelings of unfulfillment and unsatisfied in relationships and marriages. Someone's got to do something. And I think it should be the church. I think it should be the people of God who have a message that says God's for you and he's not against you. 
God is here. Yeah, you may be in a drought right now, but if you turn back to him, he will rain upon your life, refreshment and restoration and healing. And yeah, you might not like the fact that I'm bold in my faith, but I'm doing this because I, I love, firstly, the Lord, but I love this city, I love this town, I love this family, whatever it might be in your context, and I'm willing to be considered a troubler if that means that it might stir something in your spirit where you're open to your heavenly Father meeting with you and, and reigning upon your lands. Maybe we need to be okay with being a troubler occasionally. Elijah, the troubler. Of Israel, And he answered this, and, and if you want to come back up, worship team, and we'll, we'll worship together. He says, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baals. Now, now, therefore, send and gather all of Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and they gathered the prophets on, the Mount, on Mount Carmel. That's where we're gonna leave it. We're gonna pick it up next week. Here's today's message. I believe for us that I didn't plan to preach because Sam was meant to be here. The Lord is raising up Elijah's in this time. It says in the New Testament about John the Baptist who was the one who predecessed and, and made the way for Jesus that, that he it was in the spirit of Elijah. It says that, we can have spirit of Elijah in us to make a way for the Lord to be received by people. Elijah was known as the troubler of Israel. Jesus, in his time, by those who didn't get him, those who didn't know him, by the religious crowd, they would call him a drunkard, and they would call him a sinner, and they would call him a troublemaker. Why? Because he was willing to cross barriers and go into areas and places that were uncomfortable and difficult for the people of God. In some ways, he was the troubler from the people who didn't get him, for the people who didn't understand him. Elijah was seen as a troubler for the people who didn't get him, the people who didn't know that his message was one that was for them and not against them. And I, I believe in these few minutes of worship here in this last moment, Lord, how do you want to do this? I believe that in, uh, in us, the Lord is speaking and He spoke to me this week. He's speaking to me constantly about where are the areas where I've come a little Ahab. I've got a little passive. I've got a little content. I've got a little non-confrontational. I've, got, I've let some things into my life that I, that I shouldn't have let in. But Jesus loves me. I'm just going to tolerate it. But, but today, maybe the Lord wants you to, to drive that out to confront that, to be an Elijah. Maybe there's some Jezebel areas in our lives. Maybe there's some control, there's some manipul there's some things that are going on where a spirit of Jezebel has attached itself. Now, the great thing about spiritual warfare is that Jesus has already overcome every victory we need in our lives. So if we feel like we're suffering from a spiritual attack or even just a tendency or characteristic to be a Jezebel, to be an Ahab, here's the good news. Jesus has already won it. We just need to align with the victory that He's won. But it takes intentionality. It takes us being willing to say, Lord, I've actually let a little bit of this area into my life and I want to cast it out today and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for winning the victory. Sorry, I haven't walked in the victory, but from this day forward, I'm drawing a line in the sand that says I'm gonna walk in the victory you've won over this.
So why don't we just close our eyes in this place out of just respect for each other. It's easier to, you don't have to, there's nothing magical about closing your eyes. It's more just being able to search your own heart and ask God, is there something He's revealing in your life today? Here's the good news. It won't be condemnation that God's speaking to you today. It might be conviction. We can often mistake conviction for condemnation if we see it through religious eyes or if the enemy twists it. But if there's anything that's condemning you today, I want you to hear this. That's not God. But maybe He's revealing something because He wants to deal with that so you can walk into greater freedom with Him. This is what I know about my God after 25 years of experiencing His love and ups and downs and valleys and studying His Word is that God only ever does things to us that make us uncomfortable because it's going to lead to us being able to access greater levels of His love and freedom. He only exposes things not to point the finger at us, but to point the finger at the cross that says He's already dealt with that. So son, daughter, would you walk in the freedom I've given you? He only makes us uncomfortable because He has something greater for us that we won't be able to access if we stay comfortable. So Lord, Holy Spirit, in this place today, we just invite you to speak to us, to minister in this place, Lord. As we've looked at your word today and it wasn't planned, it wasn't thought of that it would go that way. But the thing I love about your word is it's your word. It's your word. And you speak through it. So Lord, the things that were of me today, just have them drop away, but your word would speak to us. Lord, in the story of Elijah, could we, could we ask God, could we be bold enough to ask you today that we want to be Elijah's in our lives? We want to have the conviction from you, Lord, that is so strong that we, we would face down the prophets of Baal on the mountain. We want to have that conviction that we can walk into our workplace tomorrow and know that we might be getting ridiculed for our faith, we might get fun of made for being at church, but we can be so bold that we know that we have encountered the living God and that you are what's best for our culture and society around us. Lord, I pray that you would put a boldness on us for those of us who are following you and our family doesn't agree with how we're doing it. Or we pray that you would come in and expose the areas of our lives, God, where Jezebel's taken root and taken a hold and that you would cast her out to flee. Lord, just like in the story next week where with the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Asher, all these people are defeated and cast out. Lord, we want to cast things out of our life here today. So Holy Spirit, thank you for ministering to us today. Thank you, it looks a little different, but we're okay with that. And thank you for each person who's came in today. They would leave a little freer today. So it takes a, a moment for us to, um, to respond. The word, I hope the word was good. I hope you're encouraged by the word, but, but it's not about a TED talk here today. It's about, are you willing to respond to what God's speaking to you about? We're gonna close with a worship song here today. But before we go into that song, 
If you're feeling the Lord wants you to respond to today, to any of the message today or the scripture that was read, or just wants you to take a stand, I want to pray specifically for you um, and over you. So would you be willing to be bold and to stand in this place right now? If you're feeling conviction from the Lord, you're wanting to be free today from the Lord, you've had something holding you back, would you just stand in this place? And we want to pray for you uh, before we all stand and worship. Is there anybody here today that the Lord's spoken to and is saying, hey, I want you to walk out freer from Jezebel, free from Ahab, stepping into the days of Elijah. If that's you in this moment, would you respond to the Holy Spirit, take a brave step and stand in this place today so we can pray together. Thank you, Lord, you speak and you move and it's, it's really not about what happens outwardly, Lord, it's about what you're speaking to people inwardly. The rest of us have our eyes closed. I, I've got my eyes closed, I don't even know if people standing in this place. It sounds like there is today. But if you're standing in this place, would you put your arms out in front of you? I want to declare an Elijah spirit over you today. Lord, I thank you, God. Thank you for these people who have responded, Lord. You've shown them an area where they need to let go of control and let you take control, Lord. Oh, you've shown them an area where they need to step up and actually step into and be responsible for. So Lord, today we break off any Jezebel spirit, any Ahab spirit that's taken root, and we declare the truth of God over their life, that He who the Son has set free is free indeed. So that no demon, no devil, no characteristic, no inheritance, no spirit has place other than you in these people, Lord. We repent where we've agreed with the lies of the enemy and we speak the truth of God that say that these people have been bought with a price in the Son of God. And we speak that freedom over them. Lord, I pray today you're driving out demons, you're driving out tendencies, you're driving out habits of Ahab and Jezebel, and you're filling them with the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, be Elijah's in the world around us. Help us be Elijah's with boldness and trust, Lord, that, hey, I might lose everything in the natural, but I know, Lord, you'll bring ravens to feed me because I'm not going back. I'm following you all the days of my life. I thank you for freedom over each person today. Your revelation, your your will, and Lord, that you would move them into great days ahead as they take a step as Elijah would and confront the enemy and say, you have no place in our land. You have no place in my family. You have no place in my life anymore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand in this place and worship? Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.